Hi everyone! In my first conversation on Rich Reflex, I am honoured to be joined by Dr. Nicole LaPera, whom you may know as the holistic psychologist, or as the Wall Street Journal calls her, Instagram's favourite therapist. Dr. Nicole is a trained clinical psychologist and the author of best-selling self-help books, How to Do the Work, Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past and Create Yourself, and also How to Meet Yourself, I have it here, the workbook for self-discovery. Ever since she decided to venture outside of traditional psychotherapy to pursue a more holistic approach to healing, Dr. Nicole's teachings have helped and empowered many to recognize and free themselves from trauma cycles, to recreate the person they truly want to be and the life they wish to live. This episode is the first of two parts of a conversation that is packed with insights, wisdom and tools from Dr. Nicole, who sheds light on how everything from our mental and physical health to our relationship with ourselves, our emotions, our children, our parents and partner, and how we respond to stress, especially in the urgency culture many of us live in, it all begins in our body, specifically our nervous system. The conversation on mental health then, says Dr. Nicole, is one that must include the body. What does it mean to listen to our body and what it needs? How can we regulate our nervous system? teach the body to rest and feel safe in our stillness so that we can feel safe enough to be ourselves in the world? Why is it important to challenge our mind stories in order to make new choices with intention each day that serve us? I'm so excited for you to join us as we dive into this mind and heart opening episode. Every moment offers an opportunity to show up to make a new choice. Let's go. Dr. Nicole, I'm so excited to finally be able to speak to you. I'm so excited. Thank you for your flexibility when I had a bit of the travel issue. Was it last week or whenever that was? It It must have been so crazy for you. I was just joining the self-healer circle conversation. This For me, it was this morning. It was a couple of hours ago. So really excited to have this chat with you. I believe that this conversation that I'm going to have with you is going to be so important where topics like, you know, trauma, healing, uh, mental health, it's still in its early stages. And I, I do believe that, you know, I really want to also normalize topics like that, right? And bring a lot more awareness. So Thank you so much for what you do. Oh, of course, Rachel. And thank you for um, sharing your presence with me and introducing me to your community. I'm truly honored and I'm hopeful um, that our conversation yeah. can be of help um, to the women that are tuning in. Through your years of experience, like you shared, and as a psychologist, what is one main message that you want to put out there in the world about mental health? Um, that involves our body as well. Um, mm-hmm. Here in the West, where I did uh, this, the, all of my training, um, we're, we still have a very separate view and we largely leave out the body and our nervous system in particular um, that for so many of us houses the trauma or early experiences and is a large reason why we're stuck or we're still suffering with the symptoms that we are. So the message that I want to shout far and wide to really anyone in, in any field that's you know helping an individual change or create transformation, it's really to include the body in that conversation because a, a large reason why so many of us are stuck lives in our body. And if we're just trying to white knuckle or affirm mm. or think differently our way out of our you know deep rooted suffering or dysregulation in our nervous systems, and we're going to feel 
a word you used earlier, not empowered. We're going to feel quite disempowered. Yeah. And curious to also understand, what do you think is one misconception or one thing that we misunderstand about mental health, trauma, and healing? I think um, what is missing in your conversation is is the nervous system, mm. um, in particular, how important it is to care for our nervous system, in particular mm. through rest, through sleep, being, you know, myself as someone who, you know, is always seeking to achieve, to do. Um, I imagine that a lot of your listeners probably have that same mindset, you know, maybe based yeah. on cultural beliefs, beliefs in the family, beliefs around what success means. Yeah. Um, I think that quite globally, we largely, most of us live in what I call an urgency culture, right? Where there's not enough hours in the day to get what we want to get done. And when we begin to include our body and our nervous system in particular in conversations, mm -hmm. then it really highlights the importance of of moments of rest, of learning how to relax my body, shut our system down, how to more importantly feel safe in that stillness. Because in that stillness, not only lives our intuition, it lives our deep-rooted desires, our passions, our purpose. And for so many of us, we're just marching on literal like marching orders of success mm -hmm. that might not actually apply to who we are as unique individuals. We might be, you know, following the career path because that's what we were taught. We need it to bring honor to the family or actually bring yeah. maybe financial resources yeah. to the family. But if we were to hit pause, some of us might come to the awareness that that's not actually what lights us up. There's something different or deeper or a different purpose or journey for each of us individuals. Hmm. And I love that you talk so much about that because I think that is ner our nervous system or the regulation of it is something that isn't talked about enough, uh, but one which you have been shedding a lot, a lot of light on, right? And I remember you saying that actually our nervous system actually affects the entirety of our bodies, our lives, right? And I remember one of my mentors telling me also, if I want to achieve a certain level of growth or success, I need to have the nervous system to be able to match that. So I was wondering, you know, what that means exactly. And I'm so glad that you talk about it quite a bit. So what happens, Dr. Nicole, when our nervous system is dysregulated? How do we identify that and how can we rewire our nervous system? So our nervous system, I mean, to speak to your point, Rachel, it really kind of is our operation center. Um, everything from, you know, how clearly we're able to think, how much we're able to plan for the future to how we navigate our emotions, our stressful experiences, how we're able to regulate ourselves and remain responsive as opposed to reactive and even more so how we're able to be ourselves in the world. I mean, while we all do have a uniqueness that is us, it's only when we're in that regulated body, safely connected to my inner desires that I can even hear, you know, what it is that I want, let alone be safe enough to express that want or that desire, or even me, my identity into the world. And, you know, unless we're having a conversation about our nervous system, chances are we, we don't feel that way. We feel, mm -hmm. you know, stuck, we feel on edge or we feel disconnected because our nervous system, you know, one of its main functions and quite universally, we share the same process of dealing with stress or threats in our environment that might be actually objectively happening in our current experience or might be a remnant of our past or based on a more of an interpretation of what's happening. Though regardless of whether or not the stress is present, mm -hmm. when we're perceiving something that could possibly be threatening, we all universally go through the same process outside of our awareness in a very evolutionarily driven process aimed at keeping ourselves physically alive, our organism continuing on to the next moment. We're always on alert. 
we're always scanning for that possibility of a threat in our environment. Mm -hmm. And when we do feel like, or when we do perceive one, the first thing that happens is we try to fight the threat. We try to overcome the threat. So what happens in our body, if we were begin to start to pay attention to three areas in particular, our heart, our breathing, and our muscles, because those three areas begin to shift as we shift into these different states of stress. So the first thing we'll do, a threat is at hand, we'll try to overcome it. My next best bet that I'm going to use all that same energy, that same muscular tension, that same quicken heart and quicken breath. Now I'm going to flee. I'm going to mm. leave the situation. I'm going to distract the conversation. I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to storm out of the house, right? These are things that we might do interpersonally now instead of running away from that imagined tiger. Though universally, we're going to use that energy that our body mobilized to get away and to keep ourselves safe. This could look like you just feeling always on edge, always scanning the environment, always waiting for that next shoe to drop, maybe mm -hmm. always feeling tension that yeah. you're carrying in your back and your neck and your jaw or feeling that clenching of your hands. Now, the final step on the journey, if we can't overcome it, if we can't run away from it, this applies to so many of us in childhood. When we're completely physically dependent on a caregiver, we can't leave the home. We need these individuals to take care and to tend to our needs. The final step on the journey is as opposed to having all that energy, it almost the opposite happens. Our breath becomes really shallow. We might yeah. notice we're holding our breath. Mm -hmm. Instead of having tension in our muscles, they feel fatigued. They feel weak. Some of us even get stuck. We can't get up. We say we don't have the motivation to even get up off the couch. And in a very real way, our muscles don't have that energy. Um, our breath begins to become shallow, like I said, and our heart rate similarly. Yeah. So we are like an animal playing dead. Um, a lot of us, I lived much of my time there where we can feel numb. We feel disconnected. We feel out of body um, from our experiences. So wow. tuning into our body, those three areas, how is my breath? Where is my breath? How is my heart rate? And what about my muscles can give us an indication because some of you listening might always feel on edge, right? Might always be feeling that tension in your body. And that's information. That's a signal that in that moment or consistently in more moments than not, your body doesn't feel safe. So it's likely that you're not going to be able to just tell yourself to relax and you're going to be able to relax because your body all of the while is going to be sending different messages to your brain. It's going to be saying, it's not safe to relax. Wow. This isn't a moment to rest. Your yeah. body is going to be saying, you need to get the heck out of this threatening environment. Yeah. And that is amazing because I think it, it's like a muscle. We have to train it to be able to get to that consciousness where we recognize, because I think to summarize what you said, I think the first signs of when our nervous system is dysregulated, it manifests in our body, right? And I think over time, if we allow our nervous system to regularly be this, you know, dysregulated, I think it can cause a lot of harm and even diseases to our body. 100%. I'm shaking my head so much, Rachel. I mean, yeah. we now know that the root of so many diseases is inflammation and byproduct yeah. of the stress response um, of our body. And so many of us, right, naturally we're wired to when that threat leaves, yeah. right, when that it's no longer present, my body hypothetically, right, goes back into what we call a rest and digest or a safe and social state where my yeah. body's able to, right, metabolize my food. I'm able to fall asleep and get the mm -hmm. rest that I need at night. I'm open for engagement socially or to connect with the world around me. And the reality of it is so few of us, because when we don't have 
a safe caregiver mm-hmm. whose nervous systems them, themselves, this is when the conversation expands beyond, yeah. right? My immediate environment to who are the caregivers? What happened oh. in their own past environments in their childhoods? How equipped are their bodies to help my state of dysregulation as a child? Because that's yeah. what's happening when an infant is crying, right? It's it's dysregulated. There's a need that's not being met. And what that child's nervous system needs in that moment is another safe nervous system mm-hmm. to communicate right through mm-hmm. unseen signals that that child is safe. In addition, of course, to the parent showing up and feeding the child or changing the child, whatever it might not be, meeting the child's needs. Need. And yeah. the reality of it is few of us have that. So without that in childhood, we end up spiraling. I lived decades in this stress response, unaware of my body because my best solution was to disconnect. That final stop on the journey, being overwhelmed with stress for so long and under supported, not having that emotionally attuned caregiver present in my home, translated to me being, to speak to your point, totally disconnected from my body, not able to even attune to the amount of stress that was living in it for so long. And as I Mm. got more connected, paid more attention to my body and saw how dysregulated it was, I was able to actually get really intentional with new practices to help shift my body um, through breath work, through grounding type Mm -hmm. practices, generally through sleeping and eating the food that my body needs through moving my body and stretching my body and all of these ways that I was able to actually switch the signals that my body was sending to my mind for all of those years. Mm -hmm. So the next time, let's say, you know, we recognize through what you've just enlightened us with, you know, uh, moments where, you know, nervous system, our emotional state is dysregulated. Is there a practical tool that you can share with us that we can hijack that, that situation that we're in? Yeah. So the the first step in, and really highlighting the awareness piece and emphasizing the reality that, if we're going to wait till the moment where we're really stressed out to even become aware of what's happening in my body, and if that's not a habit I already practice outside of those stressed out moments, chances are I'm going to be so locked and loaded in my autopilot doing whatever my body has taken over, my emotions are exploding outward, or I'm disconnected from the world around me, whatever it is that I do. So again, I want to emphasize with this entire conversation, it's about the consistent practice of getting connected to my body in moments where I'm not stressed out Mm -hmm. so that I can begin to tune into as my heart does begin to escalate, as my muscles do begin to become tense, because there is a point of no return. There is a point of like, oh, I'm just now shameful on the other side of this explosion or this implosion because I've lost that ability to remain consciously grounded. So really want to emphasize it's about connecting to your body outside of those moments in time where you really need it and taking care of your nervous system outside of those moments in time by sleeping the amount of hours you need to sleep. Mm -hmm. I know in cultures that are driven on productivity and the hours that so many of us are required to work at our jobs are you know, really impacting our ability to sleep and to rest. It also means making sure that we're getting the nutrients that our nervous system, I mean, our brain needs the most calories of any organ in our body. So making sure that we're eating foods with nutrients or calories in it so Mm. that we can, you know, get the fuel that we need. And similarly moving my body, stretching my muscles in ways that are feel good. And then of course, in those moments, mm-hmm. there are things that we can do. I don't just want to emphasize those moments because yeah. the reality of it is we throw a tool in my back pocket. I even forget to use it in the moment or it's not as effectual in the moment 
because I'm so dysregulated mm -hmm. in the moment though. And just using the fight or flight response, right? As you feel that tension, the energy beginning to mobilize yeah. your breath, beginning to quicken, we can through intentional, deep, slow belly based breathing, as opposed to your chest, which is where our breathing usually shifts when it becomes really quick. And anyone listening can even right now, while they're listening to me talk, put a hand on their chest, a hand on their belly, and even just notice, right? Chances are most of us end up being chest breathers by the time we're in adulthood. Mm -hmm. So when our breath begins to quicken, begins to activate, begins to go to our chest very fast, we can maybe even just five deep belly breaths, slow, calming breaths. So just think of it this way, right? If my energy is too high, I can intentionally lower it through breathing, right. being a really great practice to help my body come back into that safe state. Wow. And along the same vein, I also want to ask you about the role and value of our emotions. How can we grow to become more emotionally mature? And I, the reality of it is I love this conversation, Rachel, because it really doesn't matter where you're tuning in from. I'm going to make a really big global statement that I stand by. Very few of us have, as adults are equipped with having an emotionally mature relationship with our own emotions. Mm -hmm. Again, of no fault of our own, given the circumstances we grew up in, given our caretakers and how safe they were and what they were able to model in terms of their own emotional regulation. Yeah. Very few of us have that ability to attune to our emotions because that's what emotional health is. It's not being absent of emotions. That's an unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. Emotions are what color our human experience. They're what gives us and those around us quite literal life. They animate us. Emotions also carry important information. Um, they tell us when, for instance, when we feel angry, usually it's because our needs aren't being met or our boundary is being violated. When we feel sad or any version of sadness or grief, it's usually because we're experiencing a perceived loss, something that we want or have had, we no longer have access to them. So when we are having an emotion, again, the goal isn't to keep them so suppressed beneath the mm -hmm. surface that we you know, are so flat. Um, and if you do feel flat or numb or disconnected, like I described earlier, like I did for decades, it's not because there's something wrong with you, quote unquote, chances are you might be in that completely shut down state where at one point it was safer for you to be disconnected from your emotions, or maybe you were shamed for how it was that you felt in childhood or were directly or indirectly told that certain emotions weren't appropriate or mm -hmm. for whatever reason, right, were deemed shameful. So yeah. for many different reasons, we keep our emotions beneath the surface, though it doesn't mean that we're not having emotions. Again, emotions color our life. They send us information about how we're experiencing our environment, the, the goal of emotional maturity is to be present to what's happening emotionally mm -hmm. in our bodies because they do map onto different sensations that are happening throughout us. And like we just talked about, the more connected we are to our body, the more we can then become present to our emotions. And then the shift from immaturity to maturity happens when instead of reacting to our emotions, which is typically what we do, right? We become mm -hmm. anger. We react from this angry place yeah. is to shift from that into a more responsive mode where we're still feeling angry mm -hmm. and we might want to, right? Throw the punch or do whatever we do, 
that we're able to be grounded enough to make a different choice in that moment. And that's Mm. really what emotional maturity is though. Again, it's not Mm. to become free of emotions. That's impossible. It's to allow our emotions to be part of our journey, to take the information that's valuable and to remain grounded in how we choose to respond at all times. I love that. And how can we work through, you know, and manage our emotional triggers, right? So for example, for myself, sometimes I feel like if I notice that I'm emotionally triggered by a comment that someone made, I catch myself, you know, feeling triggered. And, you know, literally like, you know, you feel like my heart racing faster. I feel flustered. But when I take a deep breath to reflect on it, I realize that, oh, it was actually a comment that was made that hurt my ego. Right. And I also want to understand how how can I, you know, be stronger in this area? What are some questions that I can we can ask ourselves when we find ourselves being triggered? I love this. So we can talk on two different levels, um, as you're already kind of very beautifully offering, Rachel. And the first level is the mind. Right. Mm. What is the story that I'm telling myself? Mm. What is the interpretation? What is the meaning that I'm assigning to whatever happened or didn't happen? Yeah. So I do want to remind us all that happenings or, or non-happenings, you know, in our, mm. in our life are are neutral events. We're and it's our mind colored by our past experiences, the time that something similar happened in the past and often with a different sense of, you know, developmental maturity or more, I should say developmental immaturity, where at one time, all roads led back to a personalized meaning for our events. When we're in childhood and we don't have the maturity to zoom out and understand that things our parents do or don't do are much less about us and much more about them in their Mm -hmm. circumstances, colored by their own past in childhood, because we don't have that maturity and we don't have the ability to take a different perspective outside of our own. We're stuck Mm -hmm. in what's called use the word already egocentric. We're stuck in an egocentric state, which is where a large majority of our ego stories come from, which are the repeated narratives we tell about ourselves. All explanations, all meanings that happen to our events will lead back to us being a Mm. cause of mom or dad not being present for whatever reason. Not because they're working long hours to care for the family, not because they chose to leave the home for whatever reason, because of something we did or we didn't do. And then what happens is the more we assign those same meanings to similar events, the more we're now constructing this ego-based narrative, this idea of who we are. As So for instance, using this example, as someone who's unlovable, because that's mm-hmm. why mom or dad left. As someone who's unworthy, because we're not celebrated as enough as maybe our other sibling we see being celebrated for their achievements. Right. And now that becomes the meaning that our subconscious will rely on for any similar event Mm -hmm. into our future. So I I labored that explanation. So when we're talking about how do I navigate emotions, we tune into first our internal world. What was that interpretation? It wasn't that you received the phone call or didn't receive the phone call. It's what was the story that your mind told you about that phone call happening or not happening? Right. And then we can have a bit more clarity and understanding with why we feel so upset by Mm. some of the things and not to negate because the emotion that's happening us, even if it is based on an age old story, is very real in our body. And that's the next layer I want to shift into. So when we pay attention first to our mind's story, now we can begin to challenge it right? To maybe zoom out and remind ourselves of all of the other reasons why something may or may not happen. Many reasons that we might not even 
be aware of or have right. the ability, especially if it's someone that we don't know very well. We might never know why something happened or didn't happen. And we can give ourselves the possibility once we first tune into what it is that we believe to be true. Then dropping down a level because we do want to honor that the emotion we're feeling in that moment is real. Mm. The stress, the upset, the anger, the sadness, whatever it is that's coming up is something that's living physiologically in your body, right? So now we can invite new tools, new choices to actually help our body to process that information. I mean, that energetic information, I should say, right? To process the energy of the emotion living in me, to actually let it go. So we want to pay attention to the story, give ourselves the ability yeah. to challenge it and drop into our body. And if we are feeling right, intensified energy, just like we we're talking about, yeah. slowing our energy down. If we're maybe on the sad end of the spectrum and we feel depleted in energy, we might want to stimulate our bodies, helping us release or shift that energy from so low mm. to a bit more in that range um, mm. of feeling. So I, I wanted to labor that point as well, because emotions are energy. They live in our body. Yeah. We can't just tell ourselves this is a remnant of our past and we don't believe this old story. We actually need to help our body then release the energy that's come up. My last question, Dr. Nicole, is we live in a culture that focuses on achievement and productivity today. What are some dangers you've seen around this and what are some advice that you have for us? I couldn't agree more. Um, I do think a lot of our cultures are, you know, kind of validating, you know, that kind of being always on the go, very few moments of rest. I think being aware, you know, if that's part of the, your difficulty in calming down and feeling stress all the time, um, giving yourself the opportunity, you know, to create new boundaries, new limits, um, you know, just because someone expects you to be available 24 hours a day, if it's not in your working contract to be available 24 hours a day, like giving yourself those time off. Yeah. Right. And that might mean then, you know, shifting out of the voice that's telling you all of the reasons why and who's going to surpass you, you know, at the job, if you're not there present all the time and reminding yourself why those moments, you know, of not focusing on achievement are important because those are the moments when you're rested, when you're replenished, being aware that we are achievement driven and in an achievement validating culture. Of course, there might be some choices that we can't necessarily make for ourselves, though the ones that we can protecting yeah. our time and our space outside of work hours, really, you know, watching the expectations that we accumulate for ourselves in those moments, honoring the need for rest, because when we turn it off, we're going to be so much more likely to be able to be productive, to be in flow, to create that beautiful thing that we want to, you know, gift to the world. Mm. That happens when we have moments of downtime, of off time. And again, I think in a culture that's achievement driven, it's based on urgency. I think we, it, it doesn't necessarily affirm that to be true, though, having lived the experience myself. And, you know, for those of you who do begin to build more moments of, of rest or of turning off, I do imagine you'll, you'll feel that energetic shift shift where you have more resources available to perform better when it is you do turn back on. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I'll also love to hear from you what are some of your key learnings and takeaways from this episode with Dr. Nicole. You can share with us on Instagram stories by tagging us at Miss underscore Rich and at The Holistic Psychologist, hashtag Rich Reflects. And I'll love to share that with the community as well. 
And I cannot wait to return to part 2 where we delve even deeper as Dr. Nicole talks about the impact that our upbringing and our early conditioning by caregivers and society have on the way we see ourselves currently and how worthy we feel we are, how we show up in our lives as adults and parents and how we can begin to heal and reparent our inner child. I look forward to learning, growing and reflecting with you through this podcast so we may keep being happier healthier, better versions of ourselves. Until next week, stay well and be gentle with yourself.